Beverly, what you know about that Sam Cook? Girl, you heard me humming. <laughs> that's gotta be that's. Um, I love that song so much. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. That's when music was good. That's when it was good. Mhm, mhm. You know, he good. left too soon. Yeah. Oh, well, he was sent away too soon. Yeah. What do you, do you think? Uh, it was a setup, or well, obviously it was a setup. Yeah, he was he was assassinated because he was in the wrong place. Oh well, he kind of he kind of chose his fate though. You just don't go off with random girls. Well, you know the interesting part about that is that you know when you when you think you're a free person, and you think you know you 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 are above that kind of situation, you know you start taking liberties, you start thinking that you can do everything, anything that everybody else is doing. Right. And so it wasn't a kind of thing where he felt himself endangered. He just felt that he was sort of in his own element and able to do what he was wanting to do. So Yeah, probably did it 50 times before. Mm-hmm. What's going to mm-hmm. go wrong this time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I read, though, it was, it, was a, it was a $3 hotel. That's how much the room costs. So, well. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm not... You know, but but sometimes you know, the richer people get, the cheaper they get. I know, but every Rockefeller used to do things like you know, take a cab, and um, give the guy a ten cent tip. <laughs> but if I'm I'm taking a girl, in this time, when he died, sixty four, sixty five, sixty four, I think. I know, I'm not good with dates, so I don't remember exactly when that happened, but. Um, but the 60s were a very tumultuous time. I mean, not that I can officially say that I was, like, really part of it, because you know how you can be alive and all kinds of stuff is happening, but you're, like, trying to just get to work or, you know, go to school or whatever. And, yeah. And and you <laughs> find out about, like, the ramifications, like, you know, 10 years later. So, like, man, what was I doing? What was I thinking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was it was rough. I wasn't alive in the sixties, uh-huh. but I've seen I've I seen some uh, documentaries. I think that's probably why I'm here <laughs> because I'm the only one who was alive at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you are here, Ms. Beverly. Yes, sir. Because you told me that you run a congregation, and one thing that you do. Is you have difficult discussions. <laughs> yes, we do. And I was thinking, you, you've never told me what specific difficult discussions. Well. Is this like the chicken and the egg? 
let me let me tell you how it it started. Um, I, I sort of got involved with the Black Lives Matters um, group, but not mm -hmm. officially, not belonging to any group. But I just decided that this was the congregation that that needed to investigate this because this was the congregation that declared itself very liberal, and it was you know ninety nine point nine percent white, and they seem open to the possibility. So I thought, hey. Let's just see how this goes. And um, for me, it was kind of an adventure. And, and in, in a sense, it was almost like a, a theatrical kind of presentation because at that time, I think I was like the one. <laughs> I, I know what you mean by that reference. <laughs> yes. All too well. Yeah. So I just, um, we started with beloved conversations about race and ethnicity. Mm -hmm. And that was like a nine, a nine week kind of thing where we introduced people to just all sorts of levels of, 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 of unawareness about color. And because everybody thought, I don't see color. I mm -hmm. can't really, you know, what's that all about? And I'm going, Huh. You don't see color, <laughs> really. <laughs> so, so we started, and and I had one partner, and she kind of left the church because of of, of 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 a whole bunch of grief that you know we're still working on settling. And then I had another partner who's been with me for you know this this whole trip, and her name is um, Barb Quijada, mm -hmm. and um, she really got sort of totally involved because her husband is Mexican. And she's a white woman, and, and she was just, during this first training that she was in, she became so aware of her own stress and distress when her sons traveled because, you know, one of her sons looks like a little like an Arab. Hmm. And he's always getting frisked, and he's always getting pulled aside. Right. And, and, you know, it, it raised her consciousness about it. So she and I started to, to do workshops, et cetera. And, and people, people were moving. I mean, you know, this is a congregation of maybe like 325 people, and I could wow. feel them moving, you know, more and more in, in this direction. But there were still a whole bunch of people holding out. And then after the election. This, this, past, <laughs> this past one? Yeah. Yes. We're talking yes. 2017? Yes, yes, 2016. yes, yes. I got to tell you, my saving grace was I took uh, a cruise to Hawaii. And on the way, I was in this wonderful cabin that was just in the center, so it was like rocking, like being in a cradle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was reading, I was listening to, I should say, I always say reading and people correct me. I was listening to a book um, where Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama were talking about creating peace in the time of turmoil. And I'm mm. thinking... I think these guys know what they're talking about. One has no country. The other one has prostate cancer that's, you know, like really reactive. And, and, and if they can say, you can be calm, maybe I can, you know, get something out of this. And, and I did. I started to, I, I felt myself calming down. I mean, I still have to be very careful about the news that I listen to because I start ranting and raving about, you know, how democracy is being unraveled. And... Also, what I started to talk to the congregation about was, okay, guys, now, now it's time to wake up. They've already taken care of us. They put our butts in jail. So we can't vote, and, you know, we have no way of, like, turning the tide. So now they're coming after you. And maybe they won't get you right now, but they're working on your children. Mm -hmm. So tuition is very high in schools, and then when people make loans and whatever, 
they they can't find a job after graduation commensurate with the amount of money they owe to the government and the government saying pay immediately mm-hmm. and and you know salaries are not going up the cost of living is going up notice mm-hmm. you know you, how many jobs you have to uh, keep in order to just keep your head above water yeah and then the Atlantic magazine had this article written by a guy who's an author who has written books television plays I mean just a, you know really a big earner and he said something like if I had a $400 emergency bill next month I couldn't pay it and he said there's just a whole bunch of us who are in that situation and we're just too embarrassed to say that our lives have shifted so that we can't afford anything so then I started talking to people about we were all in this together and and talking to some other people about in the congregation about um, well are you talking to your relatives the ones who said things like he's going to make a change oh by the way do you know that he didn't even make that up himself it's a Ronald Reagan slogan and they were like no, but it's my family and if I talk to them we're, they're not going to love me anymore mm-hmm. and we're going to everything's going to blow up and I mean really tearfully you know tears in their eyes and stress in their voices and the whole thing so I got, you know, thinking, 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 so what can we do about this? Okay, difficult conversations and how to have them. And that's how we came up with that. And mm-hmm. Barb and I were brainstorming about it. And then I, um, I'm, I'm a team builder. I, and there are a lot of very, there are a lot of professional people in, in this congregation. I mean, that's what they pride themselves on. And so I invited in like a person who had a degree in communications and a couple of social workers and a, and a uh, psychiatrist who has the psychiatric, you know, department in the entire state, blah, blah, blah. And we formed a team and we put together a curriculum um, that is the intention of which is to create awareness to build a skill set and to make people aware of the fact that they can be in dialogue without having to lose their relatives. Mm-hmm. And then in thinking through further, I decided that, okay, the best way to really engage people is if they have a vested interest in this Change. whole process, you know, the, 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 this, this talking, because, you know, Oh, we're talking race, we're talking politics. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are those are very frightening topics for people. Yeah. So I kind of shifted it to this place called, so um, how do you feel when you invite, when so-and-so is coming to a family reunion? <laughs> you know, how do you deal with your, your kid who's like really, you know, doing all the wrong stuff and you can't even have a, an honest conversation? In other words bring the conversation, bring the skill set into something that's meaningful for the people who are in the congregation so that mm-hmm. they can deal with things that are in their lives in a regular kind of way before, and, and so that they can build skills before they approach the big thing. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where we are. We're in the process of, of preparing our July 16th um, session which is not going to, to move forward that much. It's just um, inserted in July just to keep people aware of the fact that we're doing this because the, the, big, the big times will be 
um, next fall. There'll be four, four more sessions, six sessions altogether. And it's going to the next one. Yeah, it's going to take place here in Phoenix, yeah. Phoenix area. It's at Valley Unitarian Universalist Congregation in Chandler. There you go, people. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's that's called a plug. I'm good at those. You're, you're, this is really going. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that I wanted to comment about the people having conversations is that a lot of people think certain people who are enlightened and they know more about a certain subject and they want to talk with you because you're ignorant to the matter, they start talking to you like a child. Well, that ignorant person then feels that and they they start being defensive Mm -hmm. and that makes them more angry Mm -hmm. and you're defeating Mm -hmm. the whole purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do you have the discussion with the person that needs to have the discussion? How do you you train them to better do that? Well, this is... is why um, I call it a skill set rather than just a a workshop that we're having tomorrow afternoon and then you walk out and you go and you have this wonderful dialogue with somebody and everything is really, really wonderful. Um, There there are a lot of things to consider. I mean, it's your your own personal values Mm -hmm. and the way you know this person. But even more than that, it's about relationships. you you don't launch into a conversation with somebody about something that is so volatile without actually having some sort of relationship with them which mm-hmm. includes listening to their point of view and they're listening to your point of view and and respect so what do you do let's there there's a good example that I want to bring up let's say a man was racist towards another coworker at mm-hmm. his job mm-hmm. in the workplace okay in the past they get fired that's that's what we see they just get fired well that's not the route to go right because their job them performing their job has nothing to do with the fact that they're racist right but they are representing the company and I do mm-hmm. understand that but what the bigger thing is that that's just going to send them home and make them so angry. And now what they really need to do is have a conversation with someone. Actually, before the, if I understand this correctly, you're saying that the, the, the two individuals who were fired were found to be racist in their attitude towards just, the people they were serving? Just one person was racist towards another coworker. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And yeah. that coworker brought up the actions and then that first person was fired. You see, that kind of resolution of an issue solves nothing. Right. It, it just creates greater animosity and, a, and another cocktail story about how they are taking away my rights. <laughs> right. You know, and, yeah. and it just escalates in, into an even bigger, you know, issue later on. Yes. And, and if this kind of situation is found to be happening in any particular company... I would be be willing to bet, and I'm not a betting person, mm-hmm. that this one, the person who is ex, who is demonstrating this kind of behavior, is mm-hmm. not the only one in the company who oh, feels sure. that way. And so, therefore, what that says to me is that this is this is a time where where training is necessary, where people need to think this thing through, and to and to consider 
other ways of handling it. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. some sort of in-service training. Perhaps the person you're you're thinking about firing it, because of, of his or her attitude is is very competent. I mean, is right. really a person who, who does an excellent job, and, and you're sort of biting off your nose to spite your own face if you right. don't consider every possibility. However, you cannot ignore the fact that, that somebody else in the, in the corporation is being wounded by this behavior. So you need to, to, to take some sort of action. And action, for me, means that you need to, to, to start to instruct and teach. Mm-hmm. And, and the person who's a racist may never get past the fact that he flinches when he sees you know, a black person walking towards him, and it's dark, and it's at night, and, mm-hmm. and, he, and they're alone. But he or she may learn to behave in a more civilized fashion in this particular place. And who knows, you know, maybe there'll be other occasions where uh, this person may meet other people of color or, or ethnicity and have a positive experience only because they're open to the possibility. And who knows what develops after that. I mean, it's going to be a step-by-step process. It took a long time for us to get here to this place in history with mm-hmm. this kind of attitude and it, and it will take some time for it to dissolve. I mean, I heard this story on a podcast on Sunday and it was about a white man who had adopted um, a, a daughter who was black and one night he was coming out of the gym and he looked across the street and he saw a, a white woman, I don't know, waiting for the bus or whatever. And uh, then he saw a black man walking down the street, hmm. and he decided to stand there and, like, you know, just observe the situation to make sure everything was, was okay. Mm-hmm. And then as the, as the person approached him, he recognized him. And, but in addition to recognizing him, he recognized the fact that he was demonstrating racist behavior. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and he was just devastated. He he's got this this daughter whom he loves dearly, and he's been you know teaching all of her life that everybody's fine and equal and all that sort of stuff. And he finds out that he has this deep seated feeling inside, and mm-hmm. so then it becomes something that he has to work on. And I think those deep seated feelings are in many many people who feel themselves to be truly liberated from any thoughts of oh brown skin trouble do you think that expands upon race as well because i've noticed within society today that everyone thinks their first reaction is the worst the worst thing right and it's all about their insecurities well when you live in a society and this is my opinion (laughs) that had as its first settlers um people from debtor's prison, the mm-hmm. second sons who were not going to inherit, you know, all the losers, the losers. Yeah. from the other places who came to this place with the intention of doing well, mm-hmm. of becoming wealthy, of becoming the control group. Correct. You, you create a kind of way of thinking and way of being in the society that that promotes this kind of behavior it just does i mean you know you get to be cutthroat you get to be money is more important than anything it gets to be i don't care if you're my grandmother 
Yeah. Anything, <laughs> any means possible. Anything goes. And, you, and, and there's a great deal of suspicion about yeah. anybody who who is too close to you or mm-hmm. you sort of think is doing something that's a little underhanded that might cost you something. Mm-hmm. I mean, how else would you explain the way people are dealing with, with each other these days? Well, one thing, I was listening to a podcast as well, and they brought up Marco Rubio. Do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. The billionaire? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He made a statement recently saying that if I'm walking down the street, which when does he really ever do that? <laughs> At night. As often as he carries a wallet, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, when I'm walking down the street, if I see a black man with a hoodie, I'm going to cross the street. Mm-hmm. If I see a white man with tattoos, I'm going to cross the street. Mm-hmm. If I see, the list can go on. Mm-hmm. Now, People freaked out because they took the one section, the first thing he said about, and it was this was during uh, the Trayvon Martin times, mm-hmm. so it had an even bigger effect. Mm-hmm. Now, is he wrong to think that? Because he's he knows he's first of all he's doing that first thing. He's like my immediate response is I don't trust anyone mm-hmm. because he is a person of wealth. So how does that fall into the tree? You know, when all of your information about people who fit into a particular category is negative, Mm -hmm. you're always going to have that kind of reaction until unless and until something dramatic happens in your life that causes you to rethink your decision. Mm -hmm. All people who wear tattoos must be, you know, motorcycle gang and threatening Mm -hmm. and, you know, really going to hurt me just because they can. There is no understanding, which is also unfortunate, you know, of the, the history of, of where tattoos come from and the fact that, you know, they're held in great esteem on certain islands and in certain cultures and they represent, right. you know, identification with a particular group and not necessarily any kind of, uh, of, of uh, violence. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they don't know things like, you know, teenagers have felt so disenfranchised that sometimes they tattoo themselves up because it's a way of rec- being recognized, being seen. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, same they're, with the changing of the color of the exactly. hair. Exactly. There's piercings. all there's all those possibilities, but, you know, when you're locked into this notion called they can only be violent, mm-hmm. it's, that same, it's that same theory. Um, you know, if you're a person who believes in hammers, everything is a nail. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. I've never heard it before. I like that's that. That's pretty good. So, it, one of my novels. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, you know, it, 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 it has to do with the fact that education is so narrow these days. You, mm-hmm. you can only you know, focus in one domain and learn one thing and mostly it's science and technology and whatever and you don't learn history mm-hmm. and you don't make these connections with other people, other cultures, other languages, real other history. stuff going on yeah, in the world history. and how it all connects even though it may be thousands of miles apart, there's still Correct. like a, a, a string. Nobody knows that because they're too busy focusing on their, their own you know, profession. Mm-hmm. So do, do you think... Uh, 
apparently our uh, it's so clear our education system's broken but should it be torn down and redone and how do you do that well first of all the education system is being undermined we we know that right that's correct yeah the new form of segregation because the people who can afford to do this are the the people who you know if they stayed in their own neighborhood they could upgrade their own schools yeah number one number two they're they're people who can afford to um, bus their, you know, take their children places on buses or get across town to, to, to take care of the, their kid if something happens uh, mm-hmm. because they have that kind of flexibility in their, in their, their jobs and their, the, the things that they do, which is not really available to, to marginalized people. I mean, I had a personal experience when I was um, principal of middle school in New York. Who was it? I... I had um, a woman who volunteered. She sat at the desk, you know, at the front of the building, and she took down the names of the people who came in and gave them a pass to go to the office and whatever. In addition to that, she had two sons, who twins, who were in, in, in in our school. And, they, and the twins were immature, and they would flare up and whatever. Mm-hmm. But by virtue of the fact that mom was in the building, she could, she could go up, quiet them down, and over time, they were really, really learning to fit into hmm. the educational system. When you say quiet them down, you mean like bust them upside the head, right? No, talk. Oh. When, when, people, when people are upset about something, the, the, it's not necessary to, to necessarily resort to violence. It's, it's, sometimes it's a conversation. Sometimes it's, it's a familiar face. Sometimes it's just a little pat on the hand. I wish my mom could hear this right now. Yeah, I mean, I, when I was in the classroom, I would stand in front of my door, and I'd watch the kids walk down the hall, and I could tell, you know, who was out of sorts for the day. And I would, like, start talking to them, hey, how you doing, whatever, and I'd walk around, and I'd put my hand in the center of their backs to help them calm down. Right. Because you don't know what kind of day they had before they got there. And so, thank you. And so, you know, it's just important to, to, to be in communication. At any rate, the, going back to the story of this woman, it was decided by the government that those people who were receiving welfare had to really earn their keep. And so hmm. what they did was they, and, and this lady was on welfare, what they did was they reassigned her. We were in Brooklyn. She could walk the kids to school. She was there. She was working. She was contributing. And I bet she was happy about all of that. Her family was like coming together. Right. They reassigned her to the Bronx. We were in Brooklyn. That's two, two subway fares one way. She had to get up so early that she really couldn't make sure the boys got their breakfast and got themselves all together because she's also a single mom. Wow. And there was nothing I could do. I wrote to people. I went to see people. I called people. And I explained that she was already doing this, this amazing job. And at that point, you know, so-called free of charge. And, and couldn't she just be transferred back to this place so that she could be in alignment with it? No, no, that's... That's the law, that's the rule, that's the structure. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what makes me crazy. 
At least you tried. That that shows a lot about you. But it 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 just it's it's so disheartening to know that there's really a simple solution to something and people go to the hysterical point before they consider the simple solution. That's the part that that makes me crazy. Yeah. It's really Well, they say that's with everything, even like science. The simplest solution will solve everything. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. Life is difficult. I keep smiling. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) (laughs) So you're, you're, uh, were you from New York or... He act like he don't know. I do know, but <laughs> the Where people out there in TV land don't know. That's true. Podcast world. I'm originally from North Carolina. Where? Too. Where at? Oxford, North Carolina, in the Raleigh Durham Triangle. Okay. I'm also a New Yorker. I lived there most of my life. Visited the South. Haven't visited the South again recently. <laughs> And I've lived, I've lived out here. It's just like it is when you live. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and I've lived out here for 17 years. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting to be a Westerner, although this has been quite a challenge. Wow. Well, how so? <laughs> uh, how public is this going? <laughs> well, you know. I want my friend. <laughs> we only got... Limited group of listeners. Actually, I I find and and this is one of the reasons I moved here. So I really have no reason to complain. It's it's slower. It's it's very slow. Yeah, it's so and much it, more yeah, and it's taken me a long time to slow down. And the part that's been a little frustrating about the whole process is that, you know, I can see where things are going, and you can move there very quickly. But mm-hmm. but I'm in a place where things don't move quickly. Mm. So I have learned had to learn to like bring it down. Bring New York can speed you up, so yeah. I hear. Yeah, definitely. It'll, it'll speed you up. Definitely, it's it's for young, ambitious people who are really ready to move, and it's an education, and it's it's. I think it's an excellent, excellent place to be, and what they're doing in New York now is is exceptional, and I'm kind of going like, oh, maybe I left too soon. No, no. What specifically do you mean? They are the new the new mayor has has first of all embraced the notion that New York City is not just Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So they're really paying attention to Queens, the Bronx, and all those places that used to like not really count. And so you know, garbage would get picked up somewhat. Okay, you know, and streets would be re- repaired mm, soon. You know, that kind of attitude, like it's not really part of where we are. And that wasn't true of all of, of all the areas. It was mostly true of the areas of, of uh, marginalized people, of course. Yeah. But is that coming at the cost of gentrifying those areas? I don't think so. Um, I think that... I think that it's 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 just a, a recognition. I mean, I kind of like the new mayor, and I and I'm sure that New Yorkers have their beefs about some of the things that he's doing, but it seems to me his overall plan of inclusivity is is um, is a very powerful platform. I mean, he comes from a community of, of of like you know politically active people who really concentrated on you know the marginalized and whatever. So he has a sense about this. And some of the things that he's doing that I actually read about in Smithsonian Magazine, 
was that, you know, there, New York is surrounded, Manhattan is surrounded by water. There's a lot of water. And um, the waters had been incredibly polluted. Um, the piers had broken down. They were just kind of in dreadful shape and whatever. And what they've started to do is to clean up the water so that the oyster population is coming back. They, they've, um, they've made the piers um, places where people can actually walk at night without being afraid for their lives. Um, there are other areas that have become um, um, recovered from just, just you know, neglect, total like the, neglect. And they changed those, the new train tracks, or the old train tracks? The high, yeah, the Highland Park is, yeah. is of course, the, the, you know, the, the queen of the whole experience. Um, years and years ago, the particular area where Highline is located was a highly industrialized area with a lot of, of warehouses, etc. And trains that ran along the ground carrying various merchandise and also passengers. And because people kept getting run over by the trains, huh. they, they turned them into elevated trains. And that, of course, worked for as long as that part of the, uh, the industrial area was, uh, was working in that fashion. And then when they shifted over, it just fell into disre disrespect, dis disrepair. At any rate, a group of environmentalists found the place, lobbied for many years, and finally got an opportunity to revive the area. And what they've made is this incredible park. It's an elevated park where the trains used to run, so the tracks are still there, but there are plantings and there, there are little areas where people can dance, and then there are other areas where there are you know little little uh, stores and whatever, and it's just marvelous. And if you look in one direction, you can see the Hudson River, and if you look in the other direction, you can see all the way across town, and it's just it's just marvelous playground for people to go on Sundays for wonderful walks where there's gorgeous plantings and and arbors and just a, a wonderful place. It sounds like it's, it. It's she lovely. pretty excited talking about that, huh? It, yeah. It's just, well, I am so excited about what you can do when you're with a little creativity. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that should be happening all across the country. Exactly. Like, because exactly. it's a lot of run-down warehouses and yeah. Detroit. Like, did, did, I won't. I yeah. won't try to say it, but I was. I was trying <laughs> yes. to say it. Like, yeah, yeah. But they're but areas. they're worthwhile. I mean, they're 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 buildings that have history, and that you know, you get in there and you you tell stories, and I believe keep people in touch with their world, their history, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And that's what makes us human. It makes us not just get so caught up in the in the money race. Of course, now in the same area, people being who they are, I was watching this PBS special about the same area. In this area, they have built a school, K through high school. It's $40,000 a semester. Hmm. It is equipped like you died and went to heaven. I mean, it is just amazing. All kinds of technology, all sorts of special, uh, speciality. speciality. I was going to ask, all do they sorts already of have teachers. Like beyond that. Oh my God. I mean, beyond that. I mean, it's just like the latest and greatest in technology. Mm -hmm. And all the, the kids who attend the school tend to be, guess what? Caucasian children. Oh, mm, so I would have never guessed. <laughs> Some Asian children, you know, mm -hmm. 
three now, <laughs> kids are these of color or whatever. The Asian children that were adopted by white parents. Maybe who knows? But the 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 story is that right across the street there is a project that's been there for like many many years, probably built wow. in the thirties, you know, under the Roosevelt administration. And these people, I mean, they interviewed these people. There was a guy who had his family. He had just lost his job, and they were kind of scuffling around trying to, you know, make ends meet until he could find another job. In other words, low-income people right. living right across the street. And here's this school across the street with these $40,000 tuition. And the kids are going, like, they're, they're not really talking, except for a few of the students from the, the, this illustrious school who are really trying to make a bridge. And um, it, it's, it's, it's so amazing because the principal of the school said something like, well, you know, we do offer scholarships. <laughs> and one of the kids from the project said, well, if I could afford $20,000, I wouldn't be living over here. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's that, that, same old, that same old story. And in the same neighborhood, this is, this is really the, the, the crowning experience. Those people who recognize an area where there's a possibility of building new housing and whatever mm -hmm. have also landed in this area. So they've built these extraordinarily high, you know, um, skyscrapers, yeah. you know, with these fabulous apartments. These apartments that include your own personal swimming pool. And this is the one that really locked me out. A garage. You drive into the elevator, you go up to your apartment, and you park your car, and then you go into the dining room. Wow. Jeez. So, I mean, all of this is like right there in that community. And because the mayor decreed that whenever there was any sort of um, housing of this caliber, mm -hmm. there had to be affordable housing in that building. So yes, there is affordable housing. And those people who live on those floors where there's affordable housing use the back door. Oh, darn. <laughs> so back of the bus one more time. <laughs> but you know, it's... <laughs> That's is that you know, and this is what this is what people need to know. You see, just mm -hmm. just walking around information, not to make anybody want to punch anybody in the face, but an understanding of how the world works, so that you don't let those people who have only their own interests in mind win. So that you don't get, you don't get bamboozled by a consummate con artist who makes fun of people with, you know, physical issues. Or, but that or, person, he, <laughs> he is that way. He will do whatever it takes to have that control for you to not control him. I mean, he's a wolf, and that's what a wolf does. And enough people, somehow or another, made it okay in their minds to elect a wolf. Yeah. who is stripping our country of democracy and therefore difficult conversations. I mean, mm -hmm. I know it didn't seem as if we were going to roll back around to that. <laughs> but that's that's the whole point. A whole bunch of, of, of really good people got taken in. I mean, I don't know how. Because, you know, talk about a gopher. I go for this, I go for that. Well, it's the emotions. It's extraordinary. But against their own 
their own best interests? I mm-hmm. mean, how do you do that? Be emotional. <laughs> Be emotional. Wow. Maybe some of those movies I've seen about how people get all excited about, well, you know, you can live in a society where you don't have to feel anything. Was that the movie where everything was gray? Yeah, well, that was one of the ones that yeah. were, yeah. Sound like a Twilight Zone. Yeah, kind of. And even Spock. Yeah. <laughs> even Spock developed feelings. I mean, really. But. I'm, I'm just. I'm, it's I'm love just, a feeling, though. I'm just, I'm just not that. I mean, you know, it's just. Whoop. Fear. It's mm. all about fear. Fear. Yes. We got a sponsor today. We do have a sponsor today. Did you know we were sponsored? It's pretty impressive, right? I what? didn't even know that this is really for real. I thought we were just <laughs> having a conversation. Oh, but no. we are. <laughs> oh, Our first sponsor is by Green Apron. Green Apron brings you leftover farm fresh ingredients straight to your home. (coughs) Become a less shitty cook by following our step-by-step, day-by-day, fresh start over, different hand to play, the deeper we fall, the stronger we stay. Well, be better the second time around. Cookbook, Green Apron, a less stupid way to cook. I also want to say, people, please donate to our Patreon. Patreon is a virtual tipping and rewards website. Mm-hmm. We need it. Miss Beverly, would you say that it's hot in this apartment? Well, I, I would say it rivals the temperature of Arizona today. <laughs> so it almost <laughs> matches the outside. Okay. <laughs> Well, we need your donations so we can get some air conditioning in this place for our guests. Yeah. So maybe if if Miss Beverly decides to come back, we want her to be comfortable. Yeah. She's not comfortable right now. She bought us pineapple though, so that's that's something. That was a great gift. She bought you a gift, and you wouldn't even turn on the air conditioning. <laughs> what type of human? He did the fan. Okay. Yeah, we, we I did he, the fan. he compromised. I he got the compromise. fan going, but. Oh, well, remember that conversation earlier about mm-hmm. people not being able to afford because of the way that the world has been structured? Well, I mean, that's I wanted to say my air conditioning, but you know, I don't let you get away with that, honey, because you are <laughs> far too talented. I mean, do you remember the day I asked you, how do you know how to do so many things? Right, that was like uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And and what I'm understanding is that this your generation mm-hmm. and the ones to follow are no longer going to be you see once again my earphone fell out because my ear is so wet um (laughs) it's no longer going to be part of that 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 generation that started in the mail room and and Mm -hmm. worked in a particular place all their lives and expected Mm -hmm. to retire with their nice retirement funds and whatever um you're the people who are going to start your own businesses and do it your own way and and you set up your own time to a point situations and you know, and and that's that's the way of the future, and I'm really fine with that. I just I'm sorry I don't know how to do all those things, but, but well, then I have you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite quotes is, "Give me one generation, and I can change the world." Mm-hmm. Now that's positive, but it's also extremely negative, because you see the country 
the state that our country is in right now. And I can't see the future of how that will affect this, this growing generation of kids in second grade, third grade. I can't see that far ahead. And in, in my, I've really thought about it. And I don't know if it's so negative or so diverse or just angry. I mean, we have such a short attention span now. It's even less than a goldfish, by the way. Studies came <laughs> out. They show it's less than a goldfish, which is... A goldfish. <laughs> less than nine seconds. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. I'm... Itching to check my phone right now. <laughs> Itching. So, but I can't. Where do you think this leads? I mean, besides the the creativity of all the the kids and the starting of businesses, where do you think this leads as a, a how society will work? Well, I had all sorts of thoughts, sort of running through my mind. Okay, but I was listening to you. Okay. And one of the gifts for my grandmother um, was optimism. I figure any lady who can have her husband, whom she loved from kindergarten, Mm -hmm. die in, you know, his his late 40s, leaving her with 12 children that she managed to raise by herself, you know, with everything, you know, coordinating that whole thing. Wow. Um, you know, just just speaks to this this whole business of like, just be just hang in there, just just stay with it, mm-hmm. just consider the possibilities, and 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 stay positive. I mean, don't get to be a Pollyanna, but you know, take care of stuff as it comes up. Mm-hmm. And right now, I don't. I'm. I'm kind of scaring myself because I'm not, I'm not angry. Mm-hmm. I see this as a revolution. I mean, I see this as one of those times in history where when you look back, you will see all of the pieces and how they were, they were working yeah. and how they all came together when, when it was time for it to happen. That's see, so true yeah like it happened with the making of the country the civil yeah. rights movement yeah. the techno boom industrial period right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very valid that's but a good point you can't think... you can't see it because you're in the middle of it yeah right can't see the trees for the, for the, yeah. Storm. For the yeah can't see the forest for the trees so yeah what's that saying that's it yeah uh-huh. so the the reason that i'm i'm with you that it's not like you're you're so angry but i am fearful because all i see is is people that are they're attaching to such small things like these very petty like that they're almost making up in their own mind like these microaggressions like there was that teacher at the university and he was talking with his hands just like an italian person would yeah and that's how they do and they were saying that's a microaggression and they were yelling at him to stop moving his hands and he did and then they laughed at him because they got that control well they're students they're kids they don't they don't understand what they're really doing but that's my point they don't understand what they're really doing so for those people who do understand what's happening Mm -hmm. um 
one of the things that, you know, a little, little digression. One of the things we did this year was we did a book talk. Okay. And the name of the book was For White People Who Teach in the Hood and the Rest of Y'all Too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And what a title choice. It was it was awesome. Right. It was really great. <laughs> and one aspect of it was that, you know, first of all, teachers go into a situation where it's, it, you know, the, the children are from another culture and whatever, and they try to work with them using the same, the same structure as, as was prevalent in Europe, yeah. which is no longer, you know, workable. Mm-hmm. And they haven't acknowledged the change, and they're not dealing with the people in the kind of way that they can be dealt with, and and so that's where that's where the the learning problem issue happens. And instead of acknowledging the fact that perhaps you're not dealing with people the way they need to be dealt with, you go to the place called well, they're not getting it because they're stupid. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that the, the 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 new teacher is taught to be very rigid and to be structured and to punish and to you know to embarrass and whatever because that's the best way to keep them under control. But what happens is that, you know, the kids catch on to this very quickly. They absolutely read you. And so they know what rattles you. Mm-hmm. And so if this teacher got called out for using his hands, mm-hmm. the trick for him should have been to go with it and go like, yeah, man. I mean, if I can't use my hands, I can't say a thing. I mean, my lips are sealed. And then everybody would have been okay. Yeah. But to, like, clamp down on your behavior because you're being teased, right. they're only feeling you out to see how far they can go. Absolutely. Yeah. And Then you've been had. Right. And <laughs> once he, they got him to stop, they, they all clapped. And he actually clapped with them. Yeah. Which was the most embarrassing yeah, thing I think I he could have done. I mean, you have been had, dear. Yeah. You may as well go home. <laughs> you know, you're going to... You can't when you when you do that kind of thing. It's really hard to recover. It is with that particular group. Oh I mean, yeah, he lost it. Yeah, I mean, it's just really, really, really hard. But on the other hand, a group of people came together and got action done. So something that's true. to be said for that, in a sense. But but that's my point. It's like the action is so meaningless. Well, yeah, it's of course because there's everyone's just taking these small. We'll, we'll call them microaggressions, but they're just these small things, silly things to get mad at. It's like, where is your big picture? Why are you getting mad at this and where is this going to go? What is your point? What will this serve? Well, you know, when you, when you deal with people who have lived small mm-hmm. and only know like a certain pattern mm-hmm. when they get ready to to become active that's the pattern they use they don't they don't know any better i mean they don't you know they they can't they can't get above that and it's up to those people who are have decided that an action needs to be taken to attempt to educate those people who are willing to hear and willing to be educated so that they can move beyond this so that they don't get trapped by by little things like the kids taking over the class mm-hmm. so that 
you know, they don't go in with it with a kind of attitude called, you know, I'm going to strong arm everybody into doing things my way, because mm-hmm. that, that that just doesn't it doesn't fly. And what's more, everybody loses. The kid loses a whole year in school. The teacher loses, you know, his ability to be human. He he develops an attitude about these kids and mm-hmm. and whatever feelings he had about this particular ethnic group or, or cultural group gets deepened so that we, we just create a bigger schism in our society. And I also recognize the fact that because of the, the length of time that this particular way of being has, has happened, we have people who are on all sorts of places on the continuum. There are people who are just not in recognition that anything is happening. And then there are other people on the other extreme who are just mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And so within that, within that framework, you, you have all these people acting out in all their different ways from mm-hmm. both sides. Yes. Not just from one side, from both sides. And, and, and that's what we're looking at right now absolutely that's that's kind of how i feel um with this this whole with that whole uh the black lives matter movement because mm-hmm. i felt like it was a lot of it was really unnecessary it was angry we're not gonna take it no more but i don't know if that was the right right that, path to take that is so interesting because that has been the interpretation yeah. of what Black Lives Matters meant or means. And it's, it's very similar to what happened to the Black Panthers. The Black Panthers were feeding kids in the morning and, and, and helping kids in school and whatever. And through propaganda fostered by J. Edgar, they got to be called, you know, these violent, terrible men who were doing all this terrible stuff. And they were able, by, by putting that kind of news out, to kill all the leaders. Yeah. Right. And all that these leaders were doing was trying to make the community healthy. Now, Black Lives Matter, these are like three women who just said, we need to make our plight visible. We need to let people know what is going on. Mm -hmm. We are not violent. We're not blowing up anything. We're just kind of trying to tell the truth about how the society works and behaves in relation to us. Exactly. And and it has been blown sky high. Yeah, because you start trying to fight the problem and the people that's taking it the wrong way too and absolutely you can't it's it's hard it's hard to fight both of them yes it is and that's why you have these people who finally get to this this end of the continuum and they say they're not gonna listen anyway yeah yeah just like this man who did the police officer who was acquitted for for shooting this guy who was you know taking care of children Shooting into his car while mm-hmm. he's sitting there because you know he reached in his pocket. Well, you asked for his license, didn't you? Yeah. Where, where was he supposed to get his license from? And he forgot what his mama told him. His mama said, "When you're doing stuff and there's a cop there, you need to say, I am taking my license out.'" Hmm. So he forgot that. I, I haven't seen died. the video, and I'm it's, I'm it's not terrible. gonna watch it. No, because it just it breaks your heart. 
Yeah. Did you see the the video of his wife and his daughter in the back of the police car? No, I it's I didn't worse. because it's 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 too hard for me to to it just breaks my heart. Yeah. And I and it it needs to be seen, but all it's doing is it's just fueling that that have. The other part of that is, if it's not seen, people will make up stories about mm-hmm. what actually yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. It's like the Trayvon Martin thing. Here's this little dude walking down the street listening to his music or listening on the phone or whatever with his little candy in his pocket and whatever. He won't want to do 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 Exactly. And, you know, he's dead. I mean, and there's this guy who says, well, he looks strange. He looked like he might be thinking about doing something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, 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 what's that based on? The fact that he was black and wearing a hood? Really? I mean, and, and that's what, you know, the people in my congregation need to hear and see. Because when that happened, there were a whole bunch of people who were going like, well, you know, maybe he shouldn't have fought back, or maybe he should have, maybe, you know, he, maybe, 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 maybe. Oh, like the, the one guy on the ground where they choked him to death? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, maybe, maybe, maybe he could have done this or that. There was a professor at ASU, this female, who was walking down the street going to, you know, I, I don't really know the campus all that well, but she was walking in some area that was under construction, going to the, the train or whatever to go home. And she was accosted by one of the uh, the police, the the uh, ASU police officers. And he starts yelling at her, and you know he, <laughs> when black women have a little bit of <laughs> stature or whatever, you don't yell in their faces. Oh yeah, they gonna fire back. Why are you Why are you walking here and whatever? Blah blah blah. And she said, you know, who are you? You know, why are you talking to me this way? The next thing she knows, she's on the ground. She has been knocked down, dress all over her head. Now, you definitely do not embarrass a black woman by knocking it down, having her drawers showing in the middle of the street. So there's this whole big confrontation, and and she ends up on the cover of, of the Republic. Looking like a criminal because when you get shot, those those shots, you always look terrible. Yeah. And she ended up being on suspension, and and having a whole bunch of trouble with her credentials at ASU. For no reason. Yeah. And this Whoa. guy had a reputation of messing with people. I don't. I don't know. I definitely recognize there's some. Uh, some situations I got to keep myself out of yes. because of yes. what I am. Short, yeah. Short. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. We, <laughs> yeah, because you know if you walk in there, you do not have an equal opportunity here. <laughs> in a sense. Yeah. You know that um, maybe okay. They just know. want people to that can reach that top shelf and I can't do it because I'm so short. I'll help you. It's unfortunate. <laughs> I'll help you, and maybe you should start carrying a little box around. A little, a little step stool. That's right. I should do that. Good idea. Actually, the statistics are that most of the heads of CEO, CEOs, etc., the big, the big power people, six feet and white. Oh, Over six it. feet. Mm. How tall are you, honey? I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> On a good day, six one. Oh, 
just missed a cut. Just missed it. No, 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 no. Six <laughs> and over. Oh. oh. Uh huh. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and what shade do you uh, <laughs> call I like yourself? To call it, I like to call it pink, but. <laughs> Then you'd be associated with communism. So you better be careful with that. It's definitely white. I'm in the running. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. How you feel about Tupac? You know, I don't know Tupac and 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 that whole story very well. Oh. But what I'm beginning to hear now, because once again, when Tupac was the rage, I was into my career and I was being a workaholic. At that point I was I think the principal of a middle school with a whole bunch of people who hated me. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like I would have loved you being my teacher or principal. Like you got a real good spirit and soul. Mm-hmm. Well when you're in a whole when you're in a community in New York City that could very easily be picked up and put in the middle of the country. Do you, do you I'm sure you haven't ever seen Saturday Night Fever, the John Travolta thing that's under the Verrazano Bridge with all of the the, the immigrants, etc., etc. Et that's where the school was. These people were so insulated that they had their own Thanksgiving Day parade, Fourth of July parade, and I took a group of people to dance. This is Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, right? Okay. New York, Brooklyn. <laughs> I took a group of people to downtown Brooklyn, including adults, and they're going, oh, when did they build that tall building? Oh, oh when wow. did this happen? I'm going, what? That's just unfortunate. I mean, they lived in their own little enclave, and that's where they lived, and that's where they wanted to be, and they could, they were just as Far removed from any other culture as you could possibly imagine. Yeah, see, that's that's part of the reason I left where I'm from. Cause where are you from? North Carolina, coast, <laughs> coastal, Eaton, probably. No, I don't. Couldn't put it out on the map. <laughs> but yeah, just same same ideals. Exactly. Everybody in the community been there since the dawn of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just trying to shake the cards up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's a no on Tupac. Mm-hmm. Oh. You would like him. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm telling you, I'm hearing I'm hearing really positive things about him. Once again, you know, there were all the stories and 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 all the the mythology about this thug and the drugs and the dub, mm-hmm. you know, that whole that whole thing, which is always the news that they like to put out about us. Right. And and of course, the way he died, you know, was, you know, well, of course, why wouldn't it happen that way? Because, you know, he was involved in that world. And Tupac then, ain't dead. He's not. Who is the one who's died? Who's dead then? Well, they, they think he's dead, but Tupac ain't dead. He's supposedly oh, okay. in Cuba. Oh, really? Yeah. Really, supposedly. really? I only asked because a movie came out about him. This well, past I intend to see it. Don't, don't you go watch it. It's terrible. Don't, don't watch it's it? It's a okay. false okay. portrayal. Just okay. find a good documentary or a nice book. You can you can find videos on YouTube, like him being interviewed by the police in the police mm-hmm, station. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. He's so humble and he's so intelligent. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I heard. That's what I. That's yeah. what I. I. That's the information I was getting about him. I think probably more so than any human or mm-hmm. 
of of the culture. He was uh, he was everything you thought he was. Hmm. But you see, here's that whole thing, and I can and and if in point of fact he is alive in Cuba, I can understand why, because being a powerful, intelligent black man is like putting a target. Yeah, that's what Dave Chappelle said. That's why he went away. It's like it's like it's like you don't really you have a death wish. (laughs) That's exactly what you know, Dave Chappelle, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. It's like you have a death wish. I mean. The entire time Barack Obama was president, I was worried. I had, you know, I was like saying a little prayer for him every day that he didn't mm-hmm. get killed. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's whenever a very powerful, charismatic black person becomes the person in charge, there's always that threat. However, they handle Barack a different way. Yeah, I, they just it, they just got together and said we are just going to bury your butt. We're not going to pass anything you say. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to be over our dead bodies, and we're just going to give you like grief upon grief upon grief. Yeah. And he unfortunately didn't get it soon enough that they were not going to acknowledge the fact that he was the president and a person who wanted to cooperate and like make things good things happen. It was necessary though. He was a trailblazer. Yeah. So he set the table for. Yeah. He, well, now they're just undoing he, everything. Not only that, he he, what he has provided for me in this dif- difficult conversation arena, is all the things that he had to pass with presidential mandate. That the things that are being undone now, are the the the, the things that we can point to and say, see. Yeah. See. The well, only thing I, I think he did wrong was he didn't advertise enough. He didn't let people know what he was doing. I think that was, I mean, it's uh, we got a dumbass for a president now, so mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Do you really? I mean, I still think he followed this way of the politician, though. I think he had to. He had to. Well, for that's kind of his own sake. That's what Martin Martin Luther King did, right? Yeah. He he almost falsified his own belief in public so he could reach out more. Define for, for, for falsified <laughs> so his beliefs. The way that he truly believed in his own culture, he didn't represent. And and how how does that read for you? I mean, what are I think examples of that? It was like so. This was a documentary that I watched. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I actually have this written down somewhere because I wanted to talk about it. But he, it, it basically said in the documentary that he took upon ways of white culture so that he could be seen from both sides and be heard from both sides. I'm assimilated. Assimilated is, I wouldn't say the exact word that I would put to it. But I am assimilated. But yeah, oh yeah, you are. In order to be where I am, I felt that that was what was necessary. Right. But they said in the documentary that that is not what he believed he should have done. Like, that's not how he wanted to do it. But he had to do it. I can I can understand and that. And you can relate, yeah. I can relate to that. You know, I... 
where I am in my life currently and doing what I'm doing, I think, is um, is my own acknowledgement of of the degree to which I I was or or had been assimilated, mm-hmm. and um, to use that to speak to people who can hear me because I can speak their language, mm-hmm. and. Um, and at the same time, when I'm speaking their language, I'm speaking my personal truth. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been able to do some things that in this congregation and probably in this, this religion that a lot of people haven't even attempted or, or, or doing because they are at the extremes. Mm-hmm. They're either so ticked off that they, they, they're, they're immobilized and just angry and talking in groups and, and complaining. I know and people And other like groups, that. people over here who are just like not knowing what to say and, and, and kind of like hoping that everything will settle down and be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I mean, I never really thought of myself that way, but I, I, I think... I have kind of a reputation of being a warrior woman and 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 it's not like as in you know like punch you in the face mm-hmm. it's just like it's it's like being there and being present and 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 being a person personality and also being very direct I find that that just terrifies the heck out of people it does yeah, it really does I mean my directness gets equated with you know <laughs> I was gonna say, where are your your cufflinks? You know, wear my bracelets tonight. Uh-huh. They're kind of invisible because you know we get scared. <laughs> she loves Wonder Woman. I do. I mean, I gotta find that picture. I have a costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that being so direct and having eye contact. Yes, it's so important yes. in having difficult conversations. And I do eye contact. Yes, I noticed day one. <laughs> and when when you're talking to someone and you can see them looking away and they're not thinking about what you're saying, mm-hmm. it's because they want to be distracted because they're uncomfortable with the conversation. Mm-hmm. And that you said you told me that's one of the first things you do at your congregation, right? <laughs> What's that? So what? Yeah. Tell us the process. <laughs> well, we, I always did direct. I always did. Yeah, I was going to do that in a minute. <laughs> I always do, you know, like, Sunday's my day. I'm on. How you doing? It's so good to see you here, honey. How you been? Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, everybody knows everyone. I never wear a name tag. <laughs> but everybody knows me. So as part of this difficult discussion and to, to help release the frozen ones, we have, we are developing. Winter's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I gotta tell my story. I got a mic here. Shit. <laughs> I have developed a UU handshake, which I am uh, getting people to do. And as I said, I said in the group, I said, no, hold your right hand up. And I just did this so that they would know the right hand, right? But in the meantime, they kept trying to do it up here. I said, I know I'm dealing with white people, really. This is down low. You put your hand down low. And they laughed. 
<laughs> they laughed, which is a good thing. I said, so now put your right hand out and slap the back of your hand and slap the front of your hand. Mm-hmm. Do knuckle punch and then go. <laughs> and you're doing exactly what they did. It, they started <laughs> to laugh. They thought it was silly. They thought it was funny, but they, it opened them up. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, those people who said, I'm, I'm introverted. I really can't speak to strangers, <laughs> you know, how it is died. I do my best, but they started laughing and they started engaging with each other. So now we got, we got the, you know, uh, uh, mm going on. <laughs> wow. It's and so you said like, while you do that, you, they have to have eye contact, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if they're not like so focused on their hand, <laughs> trying to get the hand in the right place. <laughs> I mean, I've seen people. <laughs> I really, you have to be very cool. You can't laugh at people. It's <laughs> just so bad. But it. It, it, and it, it, it does make a difference. Every time I say, okay, give me a handshake, mm-hmm. they immediately start to smile. And they do it. And they do it, which is... That's wonderful. going to be great. We'll see how far it goes, though, because, you know, it's, it's very difficult to unfreeze frozen people. I've right. been working on a choir. She's trying coming? to teach them how to sway for like 18, 17 years now. <laughs> it's not easy. So we're we're running on an hour now. Is there any any other specific points you would like? It fly when you have fun, though. <laughs> it, it go by. Yeah. Is there yeah. any other conversations you want to have right now, so our listeners can? Our listeners. <laughs> no, I guess I have. I've I've sort of told all my stories, um, but. I guess what what's also true for me is that I'm still so hokey. I send when I when I send letters to people, I still put hearts and love stamps on mm. them and stuff like that because I just um, figure you can't you you can't stop sending out love to people or or um, sending them text messages asking them how they're doing and letting them know you care about them and. Mm-hmm. And um, finding out how people are doing. I guess for me, it's about relationships. The whole thing, all of this stuff has happened because we got out of a relationship with each other. We got so isolated. We lived so far away from each other. We, we, we made up stories about who the other person was mm-hmm. and, and then believed our own stories, which is, whew, that's too bad. Yeah. Um and and look at look at where it's gotten us. And is this really where we want to be? That's one thing about like there there is a a quote. It's when you when you're gossiping or when you're talking about someone, first think about who told you the information. Okay? Then did, how do you? How can you verify that information is true? Now, even if it is true, and you're telling me this information, where does that have a purpose, and where does that go? If that information has no purpose, why are you telling it to me? 
You know, I guess when people gossip, because that's how I hear it, mm-hmm. I think it's because they really don't know how to engage in an honest conversation hmm. about things that are important to them. Either because they don't know what's important to them. Insecure. Or they feel as if they don't have enough so that they can feel important. And if they reveal too much, the, it, people will discover that they don't have the intelligence or the money or the standing or the whatever of the mm-hmm. other person. I mean, it's all kind of based on fear. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's much easier to tell a story about somebody, somebody's failing or somebody's mistake or whatever mm-hmm. than it is to be open and honest about what's going on with you. Right, because then you're, you're like bringing that person in with you to focus on something so negative but you don't you're not seeing it that way well you also you also protect yourself from becoming vulnerable and becoming the object of somebody else's gossip true when really as soon as you gossip you know you're being gossiped about that's usually the way it works that's how it is with the old-fashioned game of telephone Mm mm-hmm yeah, and it's and it's just it's so unfortunate. It also builds up all those negative feelings. You know, the one person says something that you take the wrong way, or that you you filter through your own interpretation mm-hmm. of what the possible meanings are without saying, "This is the way I heard this." Is you know, uh, is it is this what you meant, or mm-hmm. or did I really say that to you, or whatever? Because that wasn't my intention. Instead of like questioning in the moment, you hold it. You're angry. You're resentful. And then there's another. There's another break in our society. There's mm-hmm. another time when people cannot just sort of be kind and understanding and loving towards one another. And that and that's just so unfortunate. And it's just because of that lack of. Well, I. I think people think of it as being courageous when you when you engage in this conversation about something that you're unhappy about immediately. Um, after a long time of practice, I I don't find it courageous. I just find it like being authentic, being who I am. Yeah. Um, because it. It's the only way to connect with people, and that's what I'd like to do. I think that's one reason why people say they're so anxious. They're so socially anxious because mm-hmm. they haven't had practice of being authentic, yeah. of being yeah. truthful in the moment, yeah. having the correct intent and the correct mm-hmm. interpretation. Because those two things right there are a huge conversation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's huge. Yeah, that's a whole nother story, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Whole part, another, part two. Whole another episode. Yeah. We hope you'll come back for it. Well, this has really been unusual. Thank you. Thank <laughs> well, you. that's a great word that's to That's what it's supposed it. to be. Really, I, I, me, myself, I hadn't met you before, mm-hmm. obviously, but it's it's been a pleasure. Did I hype her up enough? Yeah. She was probably more. Like, yeah. She was, JT talked pretty high of you. I was so excited I met you as yeah. a human being. And now I'm glad. Like you gotta 
You got I a mean, real. I offered to adopt him. Maybe. <laughs> she did. Well, I'm I'm up. So, I mean, if you wanna, hey, 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 you know, you got room for two because show now. All right, I'm low maintenance. Just give me some noodles, <laughs> right? And... Well, you're the first. <laughs> I don't think I know anybody in my life who's low maintenance. <laughs> It'll be a pleasant surprise for you. <laughs> I know you think you're low maintenance. I'm a little low maintenance. I, I think I am. Get over that. <laughs> Why am I high maintenance? I don't need air conditioning. <laughs> what you lack in one department, you make up in another. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well said. <laughs> no, it's it's really been it's been an honor. For you should definitely come back. Thank you. I mean, I I just I'm just so amazed that I mean when he brought it up, I went, "What? What are you talking about? This is." And then I thought, oh, what the heck? I'm not. I won't go to yoga tonight. <laughs> I appreciate that. I got yeah. your sweat on though. Oh, yeah, yeah, same thing. You hit some stretches right now. That's yeah, true. Even... That's true. Wouldn't even miss nothing. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. But uh, this is this has been sort of an extraordinary experience. Thank you very much. So where where can uh, people join in on on your movement one more time? <sighs> Valley Unitarian Universalist Congregation in Chandler, Arizona, July 16th. Come to the service, and the actual workshop will be from 12 to 2. 12 to 2. Y'all ain't doing nothing anyway. Just go on out there and meet yeah. Miss Beverly. It's a fun It's a fun place. It's I mean, there's a lot of good stuff going on there. I think you might enjoy yourself. We'll be there. Yeah. Do you want to come meet? The Good host of the guys. podcast. <laughs> we'll have a booth set out up front for autographs and uh, free t-shirts. And donations. <laughs> uh, uh, shout out to Unumas too. Thank you, Beverly, for yeah. coming. It's well, appreciated. Thank you. thank you very much. I appreciate you having invited me. You locked in now. Three more episodes. Wait, like, tell my girlfriend's the best. Bring them with you next time. Let's get a party. Barbara will. She's, she's my. She's my framer. She keeps me structured. She says, oh, we only got 10 minutes away, whatever. You know, she's like very strict. I really need to know everything that's going to go on before I go. <laughs> you guys went on that cruise together, I love huh? that. No, she did not go on she that cruise. No, she just went to New York, though. She oh. just fell in love. Fell in okay. love. No, she wasn't on that cruise. Um, Barb was on the cruise. Barb. Yes, Barb oh, okay. was on the cruise. Yes, Barb she and told I me shared, about it. shared a statement, yes. yes. Do you know Trap Call Quest? A Trap Call Quest? You don't know a Trap Call Quest? Nah, you heard I digging out to that Sam Cook before. Yeah. Well, you cannot beat that Motown period. <laughs> Man, that's some good music. I'm not even playing. My grandma used to put me in the car when I was a little, and that's all she played, and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would try to sneak and change the radio when I could, just so I wouldn't listen to it, but now. Can't get enough of it, I, right? I listen to it. 
as much as I can. That is that's so cool. That is so cool. I mean, I learned so much about those people were incredible. Those were. Motown people, they had all sorts of people who taught people how to dress, how to talk, how to just, you know, be in the world. Um, do you know that they had to like be very careful when they were in the South? They got shot at. I'm, oh, I'm I sure. don't they couldn't put their own pictures on the cover of the albums because then people wouldn't buy them. People yeah. love the music, but hated the idea yeah. of it, there being black people. Yep. I mean, it was fierce. It was really, really tough. Yeah. It's so, it's unfortunate. The South. Yeah. Because the South is such a beautiful place. Geographically, it's very, very beautiful. Yeah. But it's just, it's so hardcore. It's, That's a good way to describe it. Hardcore, yeah, yeah, it's just, just so stuck. And it's still a lot of areas like that, pretty bad. My girlfriend, big traveler. I've forgotten where this park was that she was visiting. It was just gorgeous. This botanical garden mm-hmm. in the south, and she sent me all these beautiful pictures. And I said. I just want you to know I really, really appreciate the pictures so that I can see this place because I will never be found in this place. This place <laughs> is not for me. <laughs> it's not safe. And she understood. She really understood. Yeah. So. Don't forget to donate, subscribe to the channel, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes other outlets that we talked about before but we got too much respect for miss beverly to mention that's right yeah we didn't want to slow you down <laughs> you're hey, on a roll when somebody got a hot hand you're just passing the ball that's the right oh <laughs> uh, i mean i just want you to know that um i've gotten accustomed to the temperature in this room oh okay yeah, it I always... just I wanted you to know like what a really you know honest person I can be okay. after all that. Some of the fucking numbers and your statisticians. Fuck y'all know about true competition. It's like the A.O. bitch on there talking about he hitting. The only one who's hitting are the ones that's currently spitting. We got Jimmy Smith and rubbing on a little kitten.